Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's up? It is the Bullseye Show. We're brought to you by Archie's on Carson Street. Get down to Archie's official chicken wing of the fan. Archie's home of 80... uh, 80, uh, Sent wings Monday through Thursday, home of the Paul's Ice Grilled Cheese Sandwich. Uh, believe it or not, this weekend is the Kentucky Derby. And that means we're going to go to uh, our good friend and our old friend. Uh, used to be uh, a mainstay at Horse Racing Nation. Knows more about horse racing than most people will for has forgotten more about horse racing than most people will ever know, and that is our good friend Anthony Jazz. Anthony Jazz Skolski, uh, how you doing, sir? Well, you're giving me a lot of credit, Paul. I don't know if I know that much about horse racing. Well, I mean, like I said, we used to have these discussions about horse racing, and you knew more about every horse in every race all across the country than anyone possibly should. <laughs> I mean, I spent a lot of time... You know what my problem is? I uh, spent a lot of time at the other tracks, Paul. You know, the Louisiana Downs of the world. And I think that got me in uh, more trouble than I care to announce. Those are, that, that's, when you, that's when you know you're letting the ball roll way too much. When you start from the main tracks, from Del Mar and all that, and you end up at Mountaineer, you know, it's 7 o'clock on a Tuesday. And you're screaming at the uh, people at the meadows to put race eight of the mountaineer on. Yeah, yeah. So that's when you know you've gotten deep into the layers of horse racing. Right, but uh, I tell you, you know, for you know, even if you're not into, even if you're not into the horse racing thing, Kentucky Derby Day at a place like the meadows is a lot of fun. Oh, it is fantastic there. You know, the fun little atmosphere. Um, I. I think, uh, honestly, I think that even like when they have Preakness, you know, they'll do the Belmont Stakes. I know they have something for um, uh, Breeders' Cup. It's always fun, you know. You like to be around a bunch of people screaming, you know, screaming and yelling. And it's palpable, and it makes you feel better when you eventually lose, you know, because you're around losers. Well, it's not so yeah, and that's for that's for that's for sure. Now the Kentucky Derby, obviously this weekend, uh, it is um, a Saturday, as always, and of course the uh, Kentucky Derby is one of those uh, races that even if you're not that into the horse racing, a lot of people stop and pay attention to, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. It's the most popular race in the 
and all of horse racing, you know, it's, it's, it's not the biggest one. You know, we always talk about that. I mean, the Breeders' Cup is obviously the biggest race, but you would never guess that from the fanfare and attention that uh, the Kentucky Derby gets year in and year out. It's just a tradition unlike any other. Well, I see, let's see, one, two, three, four, f- at least five horses that are 50 to one to win the thing. Um, yeah. that, that means you've got a lot of uh, long shots to choose from. Didn't, didn't a long shot win it last year? It did. It did. I mean, you had Rich Strike win it last year. And I'll, it's not like when Country House won it in 2019, um, you know, because they pulled maximum security off the board for the first inquiry ever. But it feels like that, if you think about that, that the Country House win in 2019, that kind of just threw horse racing through a loop, or at least the Kentucky Derby, the three-year-old division, because, I mean, you know, you get Bob Baffert's second horse in Authentic winning in, you know, 2020 when they raced it. I forget what month they raced that in because of the pandemic, but I know it wasn't May. And then, you know, Mandolin, Brad Cox finally gets one in 2021, and then Rich Strike last year with just one of the most unbelievable closes I've ever seen. I mean, from such a high-priced horse, from a horse that, you know, obviously for good reason, nobody really had much respect for with a jockey, Sonny Leone, who's not known for even winning graded races uh, close to the Kentucky Derby, and a trainer like Eric Reed, who everyone's just scratching their head saying, who? And uh, this horse comes out, you know, and and, and closes like he's uh, arrogating his prime. So, that it just feels like everything's just gone backwards. But you know what? I don't, I don't foresee another rich strike this year, Paul. <laughs> There's a couple horses in this race, man. Uh, that I mean, I look at it right now. We're gonna segue right to who's contending. You know, that tap it trice um, and forte. These are two of the toughest three-year-olds. That's got two of the nicest resumes that I've seen in quite some time. I mean, I feel like I got to go all the way back to if I've been this hyped about a horse, I would have to go back to maybe Nyquist in 2016. Um, I don't want to throw an American Pharaoh or a California Chrome out there um, just yet. But, you know, Nyquist was that horse where we knew he was going to be the favorite after what we saw, what he did at the Florida Derby. Um, he had the pedigree, he had, uh, you know, the stamina, he had the ability to finish that race. He was the favorite going into post time, the undoubted favorite. And, you know, we knew that and he won rightfully. So I feel like you're going to have two of those horses this year between Forte and, uh, Tappet Trice. I mean, these are, man, I, if I see it, that if it comes to fruition that way, if it goes the way I see it. I think it's going to be neck and neck between these two when we get down to the stretch. No question. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, if you think, if you like these races with 20 horses on the track, is that normal? Is 20 horses normal or is it bigger for, is it a bigger field for the Kentucky Derby? And it's normal in Australia. Clearly Forte is the one that's supposed to win this race, right? Forte is the one that's supposed to win this race, Paul. He is the, uh, unequivocal choice. Uh, he's coming out of the 15th spot. And going back to when you were talking about 20-horse um, field, this is all different now that we have a 
gates. There is no more auxiliary gates. So you don't have 15 through 20 coming out of that shoddy little rickety uh, gate that's attached to the main one. And that was, you know, that oftentimes if a trainer saw that you were going to land 15 to 20, that spelled the end for, you know, that horse's chance in the Kentucky Derby because it's just so hard to get on a good path on the first straightaway when you're coming out of that slot. And, you know, you got 14 other horses in front of you with all that congestion and traffic. But with this new gate, it gives a better alignment for a horse like Forte who's going to need to get up to that middle of the pack, that stocking position early. Um, it's a Todd Pletcher horse. So a Todd Pletcher horse is always going to be aggressive. I mean, that's, that's just how he trains. That's the kind of animals that he gets. And uh, this is one of the best of the best we saw in the Florida Derby. You know, again, I go, I hearken back to Nyquist. You know, I hearken back to those horses that dominate at the Florida Derby the way Forte did uh, without question, you know, without hardly any trouble. Um, and that translates well. That dirt alone at Gulfstream translates well over to um, the dirt at Churchill Downs. The, those horses just have a good feel for those tracks. And this is good for a horse uh, like Forte with a resume that it's got. I mean, I had Ortiz on board. I oh, It's so hard to fade this horse ball. You know, we see favorites all the time, and they're sketchy, and they're sketchy for a reason. There's just not a lot of holes in this resume that makes me think Forte is one of those horses that's, you know, sketchy. Right. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, that, that, that is the biggest thing I would tell you is that you, you look at this field, Forte is really big, big favorite in this thing. Uh, well, follow, no, not so much of – I don't think no, so much of a big favorite, Paul. What's, what is Kings Barnes' number? Uh, well, that's a good one. I'm actually uh, glad you said that horse because that is a very polarizing horse right now. So I believe you're going to get that horse at, oh, man, that's tough. Probably 12 to 1 when it's all said and done. I think he's a 12 to 1 now. And it feels like that's the number you're going to get close to post time. This horse gets a lot of disrespect for being undefeated, you know, 3 and 0. I know that it wasn't the best three races, you know, uh, but, but in those three races, he, he absolutely dominated. I mean, it gives you no reason to want to fade this horse, but a lot of people are right now, a lot of so-and-so uh, quote unquote experts, but the way I see it, three starts for this horse. Uh, it's an uncle Mo. I love an uncle Mo coming into the uh, Kentucky Derby. I think that they're, um, they're very underrated, especially on this kind of track. Uh, fairgrounds. I don't know if it tra translates that well. You know, he came out of the Louisiana Derby. He was a, he was the winner of the Louisiana Derby. I don't know. It's not the best history, the best track record, but I just feel like this horse is a little bit different. I feel like this horse is going to kick late, um, which is what you want in the Derby. I mean, we see it time and time again. We saw it last year with Rich Strike. You want that extra kick. You want that. Uh, perfect route and there's so many variables that where it comes up to how am I going to get that perfect route you know jockeys will tell you all the time I, I, out of a thousand different ways that I wanted to do it this was a thousand and one you know it just so happened to be this way so you got to be really prepared for just a complete volatile race 
from start to finish. But this horse, I'm big on King's Beard, Paul. Or King's Barn, I'm sorry. I'm big on this one. If you get him at 10 to 1 or higher, I think it's a really good price, at least to put underneath on your uh, exotics. Okay, so speaking of exotics, we've reached that point. Um, you, you, you know, what, what, what do you kind of like to win? Do you like uh, any double? Uh, you know, uh, uh, what do they call it? Tri- trifectas? Any, any? Uh, um, what, what, what are the two horses called? What is that? You can't even think of trifectas <laughs> or three horses. What? So, uh, what is yeah. exactas? Two horses are exactas. You've got that. You've got some superfectas. I guess I don't know what 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 what. If you wanted to put together a few uh, bets, uh, what it might look like. What 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 are you what do you think is reasonable here? My favorite thing to do all the time for the Kentucky Derby. Well, I've covered it for the last how many years, but I won't be doing it this year, so I can actually enjoy it. But if you're not chasing after jockeys on the undercard, um, I think the best play that you can make the most fun play and obviously the most profitable every year uh is the pick five so you know the last five races leading up to the kentucky derby um basically you know a parlay of of, you know the last five races on the card uh graded stakes race um but with all that being said if we're just looking at this race itself yeah you talked about forte he's three to one i don't see him dropping lower than that if he does, that's good, you know, because if you're in my shoes anyway and you want to go with that second favorite and that's going to be Tappet Christ, um, a, you know, bluegrass winner. I love the uh, uh, bluegrass winners of Keeneland. Those are some of my favorite horses to take. Um, you know, obviously it's an easy ship for them from uh, Keeneland over to Churchill Downs and um just an easy transition overall for those horses. But uh, he's a tough one. Again, it's a Pletcher, you know, because Pletcher just dominates this uh, world. And Luis Saez needs to get his uh, revenge back because we, we all know what happened with Luis Saez and the, the whole maximum security thing and the clipping of the heels and all that. So, you know, that's the guy that wants to get his name right again. And uh, I think it's all it, it could all come together for this horse. Um I'm big on Tappet Trice to win this thing. I believe you'll get him at five to one, hopefully six or seven to one, but no higher than that. But if you're getting him at four to one or higher, I think it's a fantastic value on this horse. Fantastic. Okay. Well, there you have it. Tappet Trice, huh? So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to put together uh, a little um, uh, trifecta. I'm gonna box it, right? Yeah. Tap it, Trice, uh-huh. and, uh, and uh, Forte, obviously. And then I'm gonna try and come up with one other horse. What's another? Uh, what's another one that you like? How about Maggi well, or Mage or whatever? Would that? Well, be- no, I like I like two fills. Two fills is a uh, is a not so much of a spoken horse right now because there's not a lot of uh, you know um, hot names involved with this horse but right. uh it, it's you know hard spuns are tough you know anything coming out of a hard spun you, you that's going to make your ears perk up a bit um he's a winner uh the jeff ruby stakes which yeah it's a great three it is what it is but it was a tough race this year one of the tougher jeff ruby stakes you're going to find um he won it i mean absolutely crushed it with a 101 buyer in that race so uh this horse is 
I think is really good on the exhaust because you can always rely on this horse uh, to come in on the money. You know what? This horse is like when you're leaving a pirate game on Thursday afternoon, <laughs> okay? And this traffic is so freaking miserable in this city. It's so disgusting, and there's nothing you can do. You can go north, south, east, west. You're not going to make it home at a reasonable time, right, Paul? No matter what shortcut you think you can take. So just get on the parkway and deal with it. That's what this horse is. You know, it, it, he's going to get you there. He might, he might not be the best shortcut, but he's the right pick if you just want something on the board. All right. Anthony, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure and always such a great time to have you on, man. Always fun, Paul. Talk right. to you later. We'll see you soon. As Anthony Jazz, it's 93.7 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Twitter brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Peter Township or visit them online at southhillsjeep.com. Texas on Edgar Snyder and Associates. Fan text line 412-928-9370. Edgar Snyder and Associates reminds you to text responsibly. Um, and of course the fan hotline presented by Nemical and around every corner Nemical and creates real life magic for guests. Let's go to the fan hotline. It was a big weekend for your Steelers. They had a, a draft and they, uh, went out and got a lot of good players. Well, at least we think they're good players. And again, you never know until the end of it, until we kind of figure out that they are, uh, whether or not they can play. And you don't know that until you see them actually, uh, playing, but we will, uh, we are, are you there, Brian? We got you, right? Yeah, what's up, Paul? How you doing, sir? Uh, I know you had a, a really long weekend like everybody else uh, covering the Steelers, but uh, at the end of the day, it seems like the Steelers got a lot of really good football players. Oh, yeah, I shouldn't complain, Paul. Could be digging ditches. Um, instead, I was sitting around at the Steelers facility snacking, drinking coffee, and uh, watching football players' names come across the screen. So, it's all relative. Uh, I am glad the draft is over, mainly because, you know, for me, in the months leading up to it, scanning, perusing, watching, studying, reading about probably hundreds of names by the time you get to the end of it, 
Um, but now it's, you know, seven guys you can really home in on and a, a few undrafted free agents and excited now that it's over and, and we get to kind of uh, track and, and see how these guys fare at Steelers now that they're officially here. Well, I, I would tell you that um, it's kind of funny when you look back at some of the drafts and how they were, you know, graded at the time. But by the same token, um, all you can kind of do is take a look at who they picked and say to yourself, did they at least address some of their needs? And I think in this case, um, except for a receiver, which they did not draft one, I, I really don't I, – I mean, they, they basically hit every remaining need that they have on their roster. And I don't even know that I would agree with you about receiver being in need. I mean, I think the Allen Robinson acquisition – lessened some of the you know the holes there and uh, maybe the fact that they didn't take one Paul is an indication that they think he still has some some left in the tank uh, that they think Calvin Austin is going to be able to help them after a lost rookie season uh, or that you know one of these off the radar guys whether it's Anthony Miller or you know somebody they picked up uh, kind of off the practice squad heaps uh, after last season, uh, has some upside and, and some potential to help them. So, um, yeah, I, I thought they'd probably draft one anyway just to add some competition. But uh, the fact that they didn't uh, tells me that maybe they've got some other options there we're not really privy to. And I would say the, you know, the one spot that I, I also thought they would throw a draft pick at, if possible, that they didn't was inside linebacker. And even then, uh, possibly the fourth rounder, Nick Herbig from Wisconsin, uh, if he can't really hold up on the edge, might even be able to change his game a little bit and play off the ball if, if they need him to. Well, I think the big thing is um, if you look at, uh, you know, the draft to me, I think it goes from um, a good draft to an exceptional draft. If the big if the big boy from Alabama, the big tight end, or where is he from, Georgia, actually, if the big tight end from Georgia, if he, if he pans out, this draft, to me, goes to a different level. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm never going to say that the first-round pick isn't the most important. I mean, I, <laughs> I think they certainly need Broderick Jones to pan out. If we look back in five years and, and he's a bust for whatever reason, then, you know, the third-round pick is, is going to be a little bit bittersweet, even if he's good. But I know what you mean. I think Washington is the type of player – Darnell Washington is the type of player who could take – the group from good to great because you did get him at such a uh, discounted price uh, late in the third round. He's much more of a luxury pick uh, than, than anybody else who came before him in this draft. I mean, you, you probably would have been fine to roll out Pat Fryermuth, Zach Gentry, Connor Hayward, but now you've got another guy who I, you know, I think he certainly has more upside than, than Gentry. Um, you know, he allows you to probably, do some different things with that 12 personnel, uh, really present matchup problems for defenses because he's such a good blocker. Uh, but he also, you know, he, he does show some ability in the passing game, even though Georgia didn't use him much there. But he's got the athletic testing numbers that tell you he, he could be a force there if he figures it out at the NFL level. So, yeah, I mean, between that and, and getting Joey Porter to slide to, I mean, those are the two. I like just about all the picks, but those are the two that really stand out to you as the Steelers got a steal with that one. Well, uh, is there any concern for you that he did slide uh, to where they got him, given, you know, what people kind of projected him to be? Is there any injury concerns or whatever? 
<clears throat> I mean, yeah, a little bit. I think you always have to raise an eyebrow when a guy like that is dropping so far in, in any draft. But at the same time, um, you know, if, if you if you go overboard with those takes, I mean, then you're not going to think anybody's good except for the, <laughs> for the first pick in the draft. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a matter of the hate had gone too far on him from the rest of the league. Everybody passed up on him at least once to that point. And, you know, the Steelers had him in for a pre-draft visit. I'm not sure how many Darnell Washington made off the top of my head, but obviously the Steelers are one of the teams that did do a little bit of extra homework, did their due diligence on him, whether it's personality, character stuff, uh, football IQ stuff, or the, the one that's probably most uh, possible is the medical red flags. And it, it at least got to a point for them that that felt like, okay, 93, uh, now he's gone way too low and it's, it's time to, uh, to get him in here. So uh, I thought that pick made a lot, a lot of sense, uh, especially with where they got him. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, uh, that's true. I mean, if you think about it, um, they, they, they were able to really, I, I don't want to say steal him, but if he becomes a, a really good player, uh, boy, they got a, they got an incredible value for where they got him. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, you know, it's two, two Georgia Bulldogs too, in addition to the Eagles getting what three or four of them. So, maybe those two organizations can work out like a shared EV pass or something to get all these uh, dudes shuttled between Athens and, and Pennsylvania several times a year. Um, it is pretty interesting that, that those two franchises are leaning so heavily on players from the two-time national champs. You, and you got to think with some of the um, exchanges that have taken place between the two front offices as well, Andy Weidel, Brandon Hunt, uh, and, and the influence of, you know, the Eagles in the season that they had last year and how they built their roster. Uh, a lot of overlap there, uh, which which I find to be a, a nice little subplot to all this. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, that's really, uh, to me, what, what, it, what it comes down to is um, they, they, they went out and got guys from, you know, good programs. Uh, what can you tell us about the, uh, the second of uh, the uh, second rounders? Or what, I guess it would, no, what did they have? Yeah, he was a second-rounder, the second of the second-rounders. Yeah, Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, um, you know, definitely a large man up front. I think the way they're going to use him and just, you know, his body type, he's he's much closer to a Javon Hargrave or Tyson Alawalu sort of nose tackle than uh, a couple of the other guys they were linked to pre-draft, like Siaki Ika from Baylor, who's, you know, he's just more of a Casey Hampton mountain of a man in the middle, um, you know, he ended up going to the Browns. So that'll be another in, intriguing uh, storyline to, to track between the two teams and what they ultimately ended up doing in the draft. But uh, Benton, I think, has a little bit more versatility than guys like Ika or Mozzie Smith, who ended up sneaking into the first round to the Cowboys. I think he can play uh, in the, at the nose guard spot between Cam Hayward and Larry Ogunjobi the way that Montrevious Adams did for, for most of the snaps last year, I think he could, you know, flex out a little bit too, because you watch him, some of the highlights at Wisconsin, um, you know, he's pretty, he's actually pretty good uh, agility wise for a six foot uh, four, 310 pounder. Um, you know, he's, he's not going to be the fastest guy, straight line speed, uh, but I think he's got a good motor. I think he hustles. I think that's what they liked about him, man. Despite being a fourth-year senior, I mean, he hasn't even turned 22 yet. So um, I, I like that pick. It's it's probably the most, you know, nuts and bolts 
pick of the draft, the one that you don't get real excited about if you're a Steeler fan. But uh, I think he's he's got a pretty high floor, and that's what they needed to add to this defensive line for the long term. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's the that's going to be the, the the biggest thing is if, if uh, you know that guy can can pan out. They've got you know some. Uh, They've got some other guys, Ogunjobi and Cam Hayward, you know, and some of the other guys. I mean, that defensive line all of a sudden looks like it's really kind of deep now. It's it's going to be difficult to to sort out that mix for the coaches. I mean, they signed two in free agency, not even counting re-signing Larry Ogunjobi. They signed two outside guys who are NFL veterans who have played real meaningful snaps for a few years at this level, uh, and then the fact that they go out and draft one, two, returning young guys like DeMarvin Leal and, and Isaiah Loudermilk. I mean, Montrevious Adams was a de facto starter last season, uh, you know, at the nose. So there is a lot of competition among that group. It is, you know, there are some people who cannot feel safe um, at, at the defensive line equation. And, you know, you know Benton's going to be there as a second rounder, so – in, in Leal, too, I mean, he's, he's going to be on scholarship at the very least, and I thought he showed some flashes last year as a rookie third-rounder. But beyond those four, um, you know, it's going to be a bunch of dogs for two or three bones uh, for that unit. And that's, that's something that I think, you know, when Andy Weidel came in from the outside from Philly, I mean, you look at what the Eagles are doing, they've just got body after body coming at you in waves in the front four. And, you know, Omar Khan, too, probably when he got in that chair and, watched some of his team's shortcomings last season, um, especially in the middle of the year. Probably figured we need to get bigger, stronger, tougher up front, and we will throw resources at it until we figure it out. No question uh, about it, and we're talking with Brian Becko of the Post-Gazette. Brian, two names that intrigued me among, and I I know they're undrafted free agents and we don't get too excited about them and all that other stuff. That's all right. They're people too. But they're people too. Obviously, uh, Tanner Morgan, and the other one is B.T. Potter, uh, bringing in a little bit of competition at kicker and uh, maybe perhaps your third-string quarterback. Yeah, I mean, we'll start with the quarterback. They had to add somebody there. I was actually a little surprised they didn't use a late-round pick on it again, but I think that was more a matter of circumstance. Uh, a lot of you know fringe, draftable QBs actually flew off the board a lot earlier. I mean, just look over a, a few hours to the east here at State College. Sean Clifford uh, wasn't even on a lot of the mock draft experts' seven-round big boards, and yet he goes in the fifth to the Packers. So uh, that crop was whittled down pretty early. The two guys who visited the Steelers uh, went in the middle rounds. I don't know if that's a, a offshoot of every team now trying to find a Brock Purdy <laughs> type of market inefficiency at the game's most important position, but – say all that to say that it was slim pickings and, you know, they kind of went out there and I guess figured Morgan was the best of the rest in the undrafted free agents. I, I, I think they'll still go out another one at some point, whether it's a guy who's at the tryout uh, a couple weeks from now, like Duck Hodges was, or if they see a veteran who, who gets cut or uh, even one of these XFL guys, potentially now that that season is wrapping up just to come in and compete to be that number three inactive on game days. And then the kicker, I mean, hey, if this guy's got a shot, you know, it'd be a heartwarming story, I suppose, for B.T. Potter from Clemson, but it would more so be a major indictment and a concern and worry 
that Chris Boswell is looking very rough in camp and or the preseason. So um, I think he's more here to keep Boswell's leg fresh. But uh, as we know, the Steelers kicker has not been immune to his struggles here and there. And last season was the second worst uh, of his NFL career. Well, and I, and I think the other thing is, if this kid comes in and it's lights out, I mean, it, it maybe gives you the, the luxury of moving on from Boswell and saving some money, which is what they're always looking to do with kickers and punters, it seems. Yeah, I just think that nowadays in the NFL, I mean, the kickers who have the ability to do that, um, they need to have pretty big legs. And if they do, they tend to get kicked nowadays late in the draft. So, um, you know, a few teams did take kickers this weekend. You know, the Bengals looked pretty dumb a couple years ago when they did it. And then all of a sudden that guy is uh, making huge kicks for them in the postseason and back-to-back years. So uh, I just don't think nowadays that the undrafted kickers generally have much of a, a chance of unseating these established starters. Um, you know, think back to last year, Nick Seba or whatever his name was in the preseason, oh. he actually didn't miss any kicks. And then Matthew Wright, when he latched on, was, was pretty solid too. But the Steelers uh, reliably keep coming back to Boswell. Brian, thank you so much, my man, and uh, enjoy your uh, enjoy your evening. All right, no problem. Thanks, Paul. All right, that's Brian back of the Post Gazette. I'm Paul Zeiss. It's 93.7 The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You know, I think one of the things that we found uh, this weekend, <laughs> it, it, it reinforces everything I've really believed. And I, I just, um, I don't think that there's really much of an argument to be made. The hardest trophy to win in sports is absolutely the Stanley Cup trophy. It really is. I mean, you know, these teams that, Win the President's Cup and they're the one seed. They they end up. It's hard to it's hard to get through and win. But we saw it again with uh, Boston, and they were the you know they set all kinds of records, and people were talking about them as the greatest you know team that's ever played, and all this other crap. It's hard to win the Stanley Cup playoffs. Just be I'm just the, the trophy. Just because part of it is I think honestly 
Um, you have a situation of where you've got to stay healthy, obviously. And uh, we usually find out after a team loses that one of their key players, uh, in this case it was Boston's goalie, uh, has some kind of injury that they were trying to play through. But your goalie has to play well. You, you you have to make sure that, you know, your goalie plays well, but the other thing is the other goalie has to be a little bit less than, you know, his usual self. You have to get penalties called correctly in your way, in your favor at times. I mean, I'm just saying, like, when you think about it, it's a really difficult trophy to win. And I don't think there's a tougher one out there. I don't. I think if you look at it from that perspective, they're probably, um, you know, you, you're probably talking about, and and then you've got a team like uh, Colorado who won it last year. Well, think about that. They won it last year, right? And they're out too. To an expansion team, essentially. So to me, I think when you when you you know we have these conversations all the time, and people argue about it all the time. I always say, I really believe that it's the toughest, the toughest trophy to win. Because if you don't have everything go well, if you're a little bit banged up, it becomes uh, you know you you go home generally. You go home, and that's what happened to Boston yesterday. I mean, they, you know, here's the thing. They were winning the series 3-1. to one. It looked like they were just going to move forward. And I was of the opinion that, you know, they, they were up 3-2. to two. What was it, 3-2 to two in yesterday's game? And then gave up a goal in the last minute. Then gave up a goal in overtime. I was of the opinion if they found a way to win that one. If they found a way to win that one, they were probably going to win the Stanley Cup. Like, I just kind of felt like, it's going to be one of those things where they've got to survive this early challenge. And it's not easy to do, is it? It's not easy to do. You have that challenge early. And when it when a challenge, uh, you know, uh, when you're the favorite, as you, as, as you go through it a little bit more at, at a time, what do you find out? It gets tighter and tighter and tighter. It becomes harder and harder and harder to win because you're feeling the pressure. That's what generally happens in these series. And that's what happens to Boston. You know, if they get up 2 nothing in yesterday's game, they probably win the game. But they gave up a, a goal late. They fell behind 2 to nothing because they had so they had to use so much energy to get back in the game. I just think it's one of those things where it, they, they were destined not to win that thing yesterday. But I really believe if they'd have survived it, if they'd have survived it and moved on, they probably would have rolled through the next couple of rounds and won the thing. Now we've got, you know, uh, the, the Rangers against the Devils. I'm watching it right here. I honestly think with Boston out of it, just about any team could win it. I don't think Florida could win it. Although they've been so hot for the last two months, who knows if they keep playing like that? You know, Tampa's a team that's been, you know, they've been a, a, a sort of almost a dynasty or whatever you want to call it over the last, what, six, eight years. They're out too. 
And if you look at it, all of the teams left. I mean, Joel, if ever Toronto was going to win it, this would be the year, wouldn't it? You would think so, right? Uh, Everything's wide open for them. It's also set up for Toronto versus Edmonton, I would think. Now, that would be a fantastic Stanley Cup final, would it not? Canada would be, you know, Canada has risen again, baby. Right? But I don't think that, um, I think, I think there's no reason why both of those teams shouldn't be there, but it, Edmonton just seems to be the kind of, both of them actually seem to be the kind of team that will find a way to lose before they get there. I mean, Toronto should probably win it now. They're probably the best team left. But as we found out with Boston, being the best team doesn't mean you're going to win. That's the biggest thing. It doesn't mean you're going to win really at all. Uh, It just means that you're basically going to have to go out and uh, uh, prove that you're the best team. So, anyway, that's what happened over the weekend in in hockey. Uh, What didn't happen over the weekend, the Penguins didn't hire somebody. The the, the Penguins didn't hire and don't seem to be any closer to hiring a general manager. And I think that that's uh, something that really should be uh, further down the road than it seems like they are. Now, if you're going to tell me they're going to really do their due diligence and they're talking to a lot of people and and everything else, well, I'll tell you then maybe, okay, maybe they're doing it right. But to me, you knew that Ron Hextall was a lame duck from about, you know, six weeks left in the season. You should have already had a really short list of guys that you can go after. I mean, to me, it seems like the, the, the teams that do it right are the teams that fire somebody and within three or four days they, they hire their next guy. And it's mostly because they know who they're going to go get. It's mostly because they know who they're going to go get. And so once it's over and they fire whoever they're going to fire, guess what? They're ready to go. They're ready to move forward, and they're ready to basically do what it is. Um, so, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's it's important to uh, um, cross all the T's and dot all the I's, but by the same token, you need to get somebody in place uh, relatively soon here to, to try and get everything taken care of. Now, uh, I, I will say the other thing is, that it's important now for the Penguins to, before they hire whoever it is they're going to hire, sort of develop a, 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 a philosophy and see how it carries through. Because that's the other part of the problem they had. They really struggled. They really struggled to get, to match the general manager hire that they made with their philosophy of what they're trying to do. And they really need to go get somebody that's sort of like what I would say, uh, uh, Jim Rutherford, that someone that's very aggressive and is going to try and win now. Because that's the most important thing. That's the way the team is built. Um, let's see. 
Fan, uh, uh, listen to Cook and Joe every Wednesday to hear about Starkey's Card of the Week from Baseball Card Castle and Cranberry. Contests run every Wednesday through Friday, 12 p.m. 93.7, the fan.com contesting page. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevy. It's SUV month. Come check out Trailblazer redesigned 2024 tracks and online at sunchevy.com. Tonight, cloudy showers, low 37. Tomorrow, more showers and colder weather for Tuesday and Wednesday with temps in the mid to high. 40s. It's Paul Zeiss on 93.7 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.